Hi everyone, I'm Aaron Kiru. I'm an ST1 ophthalmology trainee currently working in London at the Royal Free Hospital. I'm really happy to be asked to guide you through this ophthalmology themed podcast today. And the team at Scrubbed In, Amzan Abdul, have done an awesome job with all their regular MedEd content, and I'm glad to be just a small part of that. So, a bit about me I graduated from Cambridge in 2017, and I went through most of medical school finding lots of specialties I knew I didn't want to go into in the future. I didn't like the long ward rounds of general medicine. I really didn't like the on-call life and those rushed pre-op ward rounds of general surgery. A&E was interesting, but just a bit too hectic for me. And GP didn't really appeal to me. But then in my final year, I stumbled onto ophthalmology. I completed my F1 and F2 years in North East London at Whips Cross and Royal London Hospitals. And if any of you listening are considering a career in ophthalmology, I honestly couldn't recommend it enough. Whatever stage you're at, it's not too late to apply. I ranked third nationally in the application process for ophthalmology and only came across ophthalmology in my final year of medical school. So if any of you have any questions on getting into medical school, how to make the most of med school or getting into ophthalmology, then you can find out more on my Instagram at aaron.kiru, A-R-U-N dot K-I-R-U. Okay, enough of that, so let's jump straight into the case. So for today's case, imagine you're an FY2 doctor on your first night shift in A&E. It's 2am and no one else on the team is too keen to pick up the ophthalmology case, so it gets dumped onto you as the most junior member of the team. You see a five-year-old boy, James, with his mum, who's concerned after he was sent home earlier that day from nursery with a red swollen upper eyelid. As always, you want to start with a basic history, talking to both James and his mum, trying to elicit as much information as possible. The presenting complaint here is a red, swollen right eyelid. You start by screening for any other symptoms, and James mentions that the right eye has been slightly painful, but nothing else. So now you focus on more closed questioning, looking at both symptoms individually. First the red, swollen eyelid, and then the painful eye. So starting with the eyelid, you want to find out when the symptom started, if there was a particular trigger for all of this, if there's any associated vision loss, and how the symptom course has changed since the initial onset. Have things been stable, improving or getting worse? You find out that the red swollen eyelid was first noticed about six hours ago at James' nursery, and mum says that the swelling of his eyelid has increased since it first came on, and now it's starting to affect his vision because James can't open his right eye completely. It's very important, as I said before, to ask about possible triggers, such as any recent trauma, any recent eyelid lumps or bumps, any recent sinus symptoms, as all of these are potential risk factors for an infection to spread into the eyelid. So importantly in this case, mum does report that James had a recent episode of chorizal symptoms within the last week or so, but they've now all improved with some regular cowpaw. Now you move on to the other symptom, the painful eye that James mentioned. And as we're all taught in med school, with any symptom of pain, you can elicit all the key features with your Socrates framework. So James tells you that the pain is localised to the right eye, came on around the same time as the eyelid swelling, and grades it as moderate, so 6 out of 10 in severity. Now you move on to asking about more constitutional symptoms that give you an idea of whether James is systemically well. And worryingly, worryingly, mum says that James has noticeably been less active over the last few hours and hasn't been eating as usual and she feels that he has a fever. Now moving on to the background history, his past medical history is unremarkable, 
There's no past ocular history and James doesn't wear glasses. He's not on any regular medication. He has no allergies. He had a normal birth and has not had any hospital admission since. So you've now completed your history and you want to move on to your examination. It's hard enough trying to examine any child that's not well, has been waiting around in hospital for hours, but examining a child's eye is even harder. So start simple with just general inspection. You can see that James seems to be quiet. He's not really moving around or saying much. And for a child who's been waiting in A&E for hours and hours, that's a sign that this child could be unwell. If James was running around and smiling, you'd be much more reassured. Then inspect the actual eye and describe or draw on the notes what you see. So you can see a red swollen eyelid on the right side affecting the upper lid more than the lower lid. Then look at the position of the eyelids and you can see some partial ptosis of the upper lid on the right side. And that's what mum mentioned earlier with James not being able to open his right eye completely. Moving on to palpation, the right eyelids are warm and tender to touch. And with the help of mum, you want to try and have a quick look at the eyeball itself. And this will probably involve lifting that eyelid. So things to check are the colour of the eye, is it white or red? And do the eye movements seem grossly normal or painful for James? So at this point, you've completed a really thorough history and basic examination. And it's time to start thinking about your possible differentials. A unilateral red swollen eyelid with recent upper respiratory tract infection symptoms would make you think either pre-septal or post-septal cellulitis as your top two differentials. So what is pre-septal and post-septal cellulitis? Both of these differentials are infections affecting various parts of the eyelid and orbital tissues, with the main difference being where the infection is localised. Preceptal cellulitis is a much milder form where the infection is localised to just the anterior part of the eyelid, so specifically it does not cross the orbital septum, hence the name preceptal. The orbital septum is a membranous fibrous sheet in the middle of the eyelid that acts as a protective barrier. Postceptal cellulitis, sometimes called orbital cellulitis, is when the infection has spread past the orbital septum and this is a sight-threatening emergency. In children especially, the orbital septum is not fully developed, so infections are much more likely to spread past that septum into the orbit, so just be wary of this. Now on to the big takeaway point of this podcast, which is for you to be able to identify the red flag features that would allow you to pick up on this potential sight-threatening emergency, orbital cellulitis. So in addition to the basic examination you've already completed, you want to look out for the five red flag signs of optic nerve compromise. Reduced vision, reduced colour vision, RAPD, so relative afferent pupillary defect, reduced visual fields, and ophthalmoplegia, so pain on eye movements. If these signs are positive, you should be concerned with optic nerve involvement and if you tie that in with a red swollen eyelid, you're thinking much more down the lines of orbital cellulitis. So as a junior doctor, how do you test for these signs easily in a child? Let's tackle them individually. So number one, reduced visual acuity. Ideally, you want to use a Snellen chart at six meters, testing each eye separately. This can sometimes be impossible in some ages, so a simple alternative would be to see if your patient can read your name badge from an arm's width. 
Remember to check each eye separately and compare the two. Number two, reduced color vision. You can try find an Ishihara book in your department, but an alternative is to test for red desaturation, where you find something red and ask your patient if it looks more or less bright in any particular eye. A washed out or dull appearance on one side would suggest reduced color vision. Moving on to number three, RAPD. This is tested by using the swinging light test. In a normal patient, both pupils should constrict to the light shown in either eye. A positive RAPD on the right eye, for example, would present with both pupils dilating when the light is shone into the right eye. Number four, reduced visual fields. And this is best done by testing visual fields to confrontation, once again, one eye at a time. And finally, number five, testing for ophthalmoplegia, so painful eye movements. You perform the H test with both eyes open at the same time, checking for both pain and any restriction of eye movements. So if any of these five findings are present, you should be concerned regarding a potential orbital cellulitis. If you're still unsure, then look for further signs from your observations and blood test findings. A fever greater than 37.7 and raised white blood cell and CRP findings would all support a diagnosis of orbital cellulitis. Okay, so let's say we're suspecting preceptal cellulitis. At this point, you can reassure mum that the symptoms likely started as a result of any spread from the infection from the nearby sinus, as James had that recent upper respiratory tract infection. These symptoms should resolve within 48 hours with regular cold compresses over the eye. There's no national consensus with regard to antibiotic use in preceptal cellulitis, but most local guidelines recommend starting topical or oral antibiotics such as Comoxiclav, especially in a child, and remember to always safety net to return if any deterioration. Okay, now let's look at the alternative and say that you're suspecting possible orbital cellulitis. At this point, it's essential to inform both ophthalmology and ENT. A child with a fever and high suspicion of orbital cellulitis will likely be admitted for initial intravenous antibiotics with regular review by both ophthalmology and ENT. The good news is that most orbital cellulitis cases do improve with IV antibiotics, but if there are persistent or worsening features despite 48 hours of IV antibiotics, if there are signs of CNS involvement, then both of those are indications for imaging, ideally contrast-enhanced CT of the orbit and sinuses. This will allow localization of the infection and to look for any further complications, such as an abscess or collection. Both of these may require surgical management, such as evacuation or drainage. So that brings us to the end of this case. I hope this highlights two main things. Number one, you can gain a lot of valuable information without having to resort to a slit lamp or fundoscopy. And number two, remember the five red flag signs of optic nerve compromise. Reduced vision, reduced color vision, RAPD, reduced visual fields, and ophthalmoplegia, pain on eye movements. So hopefully you guys found that useful. Ophthalmologists are a very friendly bunch of people and if you have any questions, we're happy to be called for advice anytime. There's not many specialties where the majority of your on-calls are from home, so when we do get a call, we're always happy to help. We'd rather be called too early than too late. 
So if you have any questions or want any advice on getting into medical school, making the most of your time at med school and getting through exams or life as an ophthalmology trainee, then please message me on my Instagram at aaron.kiru. Thanks again to Scrubbed In for having me and I hope you guys found this useful.